podcast talking all things health technology and NHS IT. Welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. Welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. That's right, we're back. The podcast is back for 2023, our first one of the new year. Hope everyone had a nice Christmas and New Year, which kind of feels a long time ago now. I'm your host, Jordan Soloff, Junior News Reporter at Digital Health. And we have a great first episode of the year, which will focus on developing informatic skills and capabilities in nurses, midwives and AHPs and how this impacts careers and development in clinical informatics. A very important and interesting discussion I think we've got on our hands today. And I've got a great panel alongside me to answer some good questions. Um, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. If you could just kind of say who you are and what you do, that'd be great. So I'll start with you, Louise. Hi, I'm Louise Hicks. I'm the CNIO and Director of Development at Barts Health and part of the National uh, Digital Health CNIO Advisory Panel. That's great. Dang? Hi, I'm Dang, um, Rodulus Trinidad. So I am the informatics lead nurse for the Royal London Hospital part of Barts Health. I'm also a Shuri Network nurse fellow and a member of the National Digital Shared Decision Making Council and the regional part as well in London. Great. And last but not least, Rob. Hi, I'm Rob Waterson and I'm the Dean of the School of Health, Sport and Bioscience at the University of East London. And I'm also a Florence Nightingale Scholar for 2022 and 23. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time to join me on the podcast, speak to me and our digital health listeners. So as I said, we're focusing on developing informatic skills and capabilities in nurses, midwives and AHPs. Uh, I'd like to come to you first, Rob, if that's all right. As the Dean for kind of Health, Sport and Bioscience at the at UEL, could you tell us a bit about the informatics initiatives and the exciting developments that you have in your undergraduate health programmes, kind of to enable the healthcare students to engage in learning that enhances their digital and informatics capabilities and confidence. So just a bit about kind of those in, in initiatives. Thank you, Jordan. And I think it's really important to, to start off by saying we're actually in a tech age at the moment and education has changed greatly since when I did my undergraduate all those years ago to now, when actually every single student has some sort of technology in the classroom with them. So it's not even to the point that the university or universities generally are investing in technology, but actually students come with a smartphone at least to sessions now. And that changes everything, how we manage data, how we manage sessions and how we manage any sort of education. And what we've done in the University of East London is a, a two-phased approach of investing in technology as well as investing in the capital uh, space around you. So actually you're in a setting that replicates a hospital, but actually rather than sticking to paper notes and paper documentation and paper teaching, we've then engaged our students in how do they use data? How do they use patient data? And how do they use that sort of clinical decision-making that then is impacted on the data you collect in those ways? So we use a series of AI, um, artificial intelligence, and how that might change data, how that might interpret data for you, how you as a clinician can work with that data, how you can also work with patients who see that data and bring you an iPhone or an Android device and say, this is what my heart rate did last night. How do I interpret this? So we give the, our learners the skills to adapt to information given to them. And we also 
use uh, augmented reality and virtual reality to put our, our students from any setting, nursing, physician associate, midwifery, uh, to any allied health profession into those settings where actually they use that that virtual reality or that augmented reality setting to look at both the the informatics side from actually data and how that data can guide their decisions, as well as using the theory and the practice they've gained around different sides into practice. So it enables them to learn in a safe environment whilst making sometimes risky decisions because they're experimenting with what they can do in practice, but in a really safe environment. And it means that the outcomes that they experience from the patients, they can learn from, they can reflect on, they can learn from, and they do it in a really safe environment. And just to give you one example of one of the uh, mannequins we use, it's an augmented reality mannequin. And what it does, it means they can see the physical mannequin in front of them, they can see the clinical signs deteriorating, um, let's you know, say a heart attack, for example. But by putting on the augmented reality headsets, they can also see what's going on inside the body and the physiology of the heart attack at the same time. So putting both the bioscience theory into practice as well as using that data that's in front of them and that helps them aid their clinical decision making and will guide them to be much better practitioners in practice in the, in the future and these are just some of the uh, initiatives we're doing but it also enables us um which is why we've invested in technology a lot is it enables us to work with organizations around the world in real time to demonstrate activities and to guide learning rather than having quite a static approach and you go to practice to learn this, we can bring practice into the academic setting, which just gives those learners that extra practice and that extra, extra practical setting. That's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Rob. And I think it's very good that, you know, to be having those initiatives so early in your career for those undergrads, I think it's really important kind of, uh, yeah, especially in the in the digital age that we're living in. Um, I think the earlier the better in your career to be doing things like that. So that's excellent. Louise, as we know, of course, you're a CNIO. Um, of course, you know, nurses, midwives, AHPs, I'm sure it's important for you to, for those to kind of develop for their health informatics skills and careers to develop. What in particular kind of matters to you on, on that sense? Yeah, thanks for that, Jordan. And thanks, Rob, for that. I've, I've seen all of that in action, actually, at uh, the University of East London, and it's fantastic. It's really inspiring, actually. And I guess that's fundamental to what we want in terms of education and, and development for uh, clinical informatics and for nurses, midwives and AHPs to really feel that they can engage with it. It's fun. It's positive. It's not something they fear. It's actually something they really look forward to. And they can get a real passion for clinical informatics uh, use of that in practice and the whole point of our education and development is to really make sure it makes a difference to their everyday role with patients or in the community or, or wherever that that clinical role takes them so I think what's really important is that we help people to really build their confidence and to take them from where they're at to where they need to be and to build a competency and capability framework and make that also easy and, and fun and I think we can make a lot of, of assumptions sometimes about who's skilled and who isn't yeah. and uh, there's an assumption that those persons that might be a bit older have got less skills and vice versa and of course that isn't the case and so it's about really encouraging those shared skills and collaboration and I think at Bart's Health we've tried to do that uh, really well across our clinical informatics teams and uh, I'm really proud of our 
we connect teams there where we have genuinely tried to connect people in with the digital activities, making it real, making it fun, starting small, building it into the more complex, having also aspiration in there so people want to access uh, not just the small things about the everyday, but also fellowships and opportunities and uh, making sure we've opened up opportunity across a diverse range of people so that across our workforce uh, it's really thinking about the inclusive agenda also uh, to developing health informatics skills and being pretty flexible and I think one of the things we found actually is that that by creating the energy and almost a social movement um, it enabled people to feel that they could really engage with something uh, so that's really important and fundamentally just being clear of expectations of what's needed for a person's everyday role and then building into that innovation opportunity because I can guarantee you that people will have new and great ways of doing this that we've never thought of before so it's great to be able to build in evaluation and reflection for people to add in their ideas and great opportunities. The final thing I would say is it's also not just about building up skills around the clinical system, but it's also about everyday uh, digital capability and, and noticing that we're building now a greater raft of opportunity for digital champions that are wider than the clinical workforce uh, to enable everybody to feel as if they can contribute, but also part of the inclusion strategy so that everybody's skilled, people can mentor others, and you create a bit of a vibe of people being part of the solution and not feeling that they need to be afraid. So there's a lot in there, but it fundamentally boils down to being uh, positive and wanting people to be part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Louise. And um, Dan, you're a lead informatics nurse, a Shuri Fellow, as we said, and currently on the Digital Leadership Programme. Um, right. How has that kind of helped and what have the benefits being of your kind of personal development plan? Um, thank you very much, Jordan, and um, great stuff there, Louise. And um, um, I just like to say that personally, I always feel that having a personal development plan is, is the way forward to making sure that you've got a good development in terms of your informatic skills and capabilities and a clear idea of where you're going and what you need to achieve. So I joined the Shuri Network and the Shuri Network is a unique team of professionals that are passionate about celebrating differences and diversity, and as well as supporting women of ethnic minorities to succeed in their careers. So as a Shuri Nurse Fellow, um, I was able to access opportunities to network. I had some coaching sessions and experience to shadow really talented people who are very generous and willing to champion others and take them up. This contributed a lot to my growth because now I have a different perspective of my role as a leader. You always seem to have that little imposter syndrome in I think that that's um, the same for everyone. But um, having that clear idea of how you would progress in your career is really, really important. Um, I've also started joining various digital health networks and I was given um, the opportunity to be part of something bigger than my day to day work. So I mentioned earlier that I'm a member of the national and the regional Digital Shared Decision-Making Council. So the national one is led by Helen Crowther, who works under um, England's CNIO, Natasha Phillips. And it's basically um, a collective leadership of nurses and midwives who are both 
point of care staff, really, really clinical and has a role in the digital health as well. Um, in here, we meet monthly to collaborate, support each other, learn together and um, share the knowledge and experiences we've got so that we can influence practice in digital health. So that's really, really useful. I'm currently, as um, mentioned earlier, undertaking the dig digital health leadership program that is sponsored by the NHS Digital Academy by the Health Education England at Imperial. This program has been really challenging, but very helpful in developing my digital and leadership skills. So I started building on my strengths as a positive role model, thinking in a more strategic way now on how to engage and support key stakeholders and successfully deliver digital transformation through people, process and technology. So combining all of that, which is um, very useful for my role as an informatics lead nurse for Bart's Health. Um, I've constantly worked with um, closely and established good relationships with our partners, our project team, the stakeholders, and we learn from each other. And as much as I've learned, I'd also I also like sharing them. Um, so it it all of these experiences have given me the confidence that I need to be better at my job, to influence practice, and as, at the same time support the team by acting as the link between clinical practice. IT and systems, um, therefore pushing the digital agenda forward um, uh, in the trust, in the network and on, on the regional perspective as well. So it enhanced my skills as an informatics leader and helped me develop uh, in my career. And all this networking and building relationships, relationships I, I, I would say are quite good in career development. That's it really, thank you. Brilliant, thanks Dan. Loads of great stuff there. And just shows kind of I think the importance as well of being kind of speaking to others, being in networks, being in groups as well, being part of those programs, the importance of them and how they can help you to develop. Absolutely. Um, back to you then, Rob. And of course, the importance of kind of helping the students to develop, of course, is the relationship with the NHS. So how are you kind of working with NHS colleagues to ensure those students are developing the informatics skills that are needed for current and future practice? Yeah, I think it's really important and actually um, one of the things we don't do is teach to software um, and that's one of the things that we we really focus on to be a careers led organisation is just ensuring our graduates leave the university able to adapt to change because actually they're in a, uh, I think we call it the fifth industrial revolution that's popping up at the moment, that actually change is happening every day. So actually, and even in East London, there's multiple and just NHS organisations we work with. So actually, how do we make sure that how we teach, how we um, educate our students means they can translate that into practice? So that's why we use all of our different mannequins, our different technology. We don't teach anything about software or how to complete an electronic form, for example, or how to manage data. But actually, by teaching the skills and working collaboratively with our partners, what we're enabling our learners to do is adapt. So in the workplace, if a new piece of technology comes in, they can adapt to that. They're not quite as rigid as actually, well, I learned on this machine, so I can only work on this machine. Actually, I understand how to adapt and how to, to learn, how to reflect. So listening to both Dang and Louisa, that, that's important. In this sort of technologically advancing world, it's all about how do we adapt to change. So we work with our partners to look at actually, how do we teach? How do we inform our learners? And actually, our, as Louise said, we invite all of our trust partners along to see us in action. And that's not just, you know, to show up, look at the, the technology, look at the equipment we've bought, but actually how do we work in partnership with you? 
how do we do CPD for some of your staff who may be struggling with the adapting to change because they didn't learn in the same environment? And I think it's really important for us to, to ensure our learners have that opportunity and our NHS colleagues can turn around to us and say, oh, actually, we'd love to come and have a go on this equipment ourselves so we can learn and we can begin, begin challenging ourselves. And I think the other thing, um, both Louise and Dan touched on this, is our learners often come to us most of our students are also mature learners. I think that's important to note that actually a lot of our learners come to us quite digitally illiterate and actually scared of technology. They can use a smartphone, they can use apps, but they get very scared when you put a computer or a laptop or a mannequin that has a headset in front of them. But actually what they don't realise is actually using a phone, they can adapt those skills to the same technology. It's very intuitive, it's very user friendly, um, and actually a lot of technology now is moving in that way. So actually they then realise that actually it's not scary. And I always do an introduction of all the students across university and say, don't be scared, come along and throw yourself into it. And actually by the end of the uh, you know, first term, let's say, they're all really, really engaged. And they then take that back to practice. And then you know, we often get emails from people saying, we'd love to come and see what you're doing. Can we collaborate, especially primary care and the third sector at the moment? They're really keen to collaborate with us and we and we're happy to collaborate because actually that's how we move this forward. And that's how we learn what the trends are, what we need to invest in. And I suppose the other people we've linked with the Florence Nightingale Foundation, and they've been really important for us to link with. Obviously, I'm a scholar, which is how we got in touch, but they've linked us up with lots of charities or or companies that are set up by nurse entrepreneurs all about digital literacy and digital technology. And for them, it's we can help give a platform for some of the organisations they work with. And that helps us as well keep current with what the current thinking and the current technology is, but enables our students to see what's happening in practice and what and where their futures might go. I think 10 years ago, the role of a CNIO might be alien to a lot of people, but now it's commonplace across the whole sector. So actually, we're part of that change to think, actually, your career can go anywhere you want. And that's partly why we love these partnerships, because it enables us to demonstrate our learners. Actually, your career will go anywhere you want it to go. And actually, where is digital the way forward for you? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Thanks there, Rob. Um, Louise, we've touched on a few kind of initiatives and programmes in place, but what are the kind of initiatives in place to support and develop nurses, midwives and AHPs kind of wanting to pursue a career in clinical and healthcare informatics? And do you think maybe that there needs to be more initiatives or at least a clearer pathway? Yeah, thanks for that, Jordan. And, and as Rob says, it really does start in uh, the undergraduate uh, phase and the, the pre-registration uh, for those that are coming in now. So being able to line up uh, clinical informatics uh, careers as an opportunity and a possibility when you're um, working in practice, when you're gathering your uh, experience uh, and qualifying as a registered practitioner. It's great that you can see role models uh, and people like uh, Dang and uh, our other lead informatics nurses uh, and similar roles as real possibilities. But the, the key thing is that, uh, that, that it needs to be an aspiration beyond that too, so that, that Dang in her role, as she's developing has then got something to aspire to and move forward in um, so that we've got it as part of the infrastructure so uh, it's doing quite a lot of work really to uh, support that and to have um, uh, routes through to um, the CNIO style of role 
but also um, through uh, research and data science and a whole range of different things. So the great beauty of having a career in healthcare is that you can move into all sorts of different things uh, over time. And this is my 40th year now since qualifying, no, since starting, I won't age myself even more. Um, but <laughs> I've been reflecting on that recently and thinking about what's been important over those those years. And as uh, Rob said, um, you know, there, there's uh, quite a number of CNIOs uh, now, but there wasn't that role um, uh, before. But there would have been similar types of roles that engaged you in thinking about innovation, creativity, leadership, change, transformation. So all of these different things are, are skilled components of um, being in an informatics role and being able to actually collaborate and, and work with teams of people is absolutely uh, key. So a lot of the things that we have to enable people to pursue a career are about really great uh, mentorship and coaching. As Dan said earlier, having a great personal development plan. So encouraging people, if you are interested in a career in this uh, line of work, to really uh, talk with people in your areas that are in uh, informatics. And uh, you may also approach people in the IT world, just remembering that obviously what we're doing here is an application of that into uh, the clinical space. So you will find that there are uh, many people that are pursuing different types of careers and skills and get, getting involved in uh, engaging in projects and programs that are happening uh, to develop uh, the clinical informatics uh, in your areas. And maybe that's something about electronic prescribing and meds admin, or maybe it's about e-nursing records or something um, that is much more um, related to uh, some of the work that's happening in the community at the moment and uh, enabling patients to have greater access. So there's such a range of things. So just get involved, talk to people and, uh, and get involved and encourage yourself uh, to maybe do some shadowing and take a leaf out of Dang's book there around some of the fellowships that are available. And um, a, a little while ago, I did uh, the Digital Pioneer Fellowship with colleagues. You, every day is a learning day, I would say, and I try and learn something new every day. There is always something there, which is amazing. And trying to use that and think about uh, using that in your own um, career development plan around things like uh, the fellowship. So the Pioneer Fellowship was great because it enabled you to think about transformation skills, enabled you to be part of an action learning set and to build networks that are useful to you forever and great connections and, and great people. And there's a I think there's a really great vibe in clinical informatics where we all want to share with each other the innovations, the opportunities to say, hey, look, I found a solution to this. Uh, does it help you too? And I'm so grateful for colleagues across the country and actually internationally who've joined with us uh, to help us on our uh, journey. And um, we try and help them to wherever we can. So it's really not being afraid to come forward to think actually I quite fancy doing a bit of that testing it out maybe be a super user over time do some further development we have lots of in-house learning um, around that and seminars and interesting things we're very closely linked with our medical colleagues and the CCIO and also the CIO uh, so that there's great involvement from a whole team so it, it really uh, does make a difference 
and enable you to build in your personal development plans into business as usual. And then the sky's the limit. You never know where you're going to end up in this and we'll be really supportive. And certainly if anybody wants to make contact, uh, please contact either myself or through at DHCNIO on uh, Twitter or through Digital Health um, because there's lots of opportunities to click into there, have a read and see how we can help you. Brilliant. Thanks, Louise. Lots of lots of great stuff said there and some good advice. And we'll stick with the advice giving. Um, Dan, what advice would you give to kind of colleagues wanting to develop their skills and their clinical informatics career? Great. Thank you very much. Um, as Rob and Louise has highlighted earlier, lots and lots of opportunities out there. Um, personally, it wasn't easy for me to do this, but it's it's all about understanding what you want to do, how you see yourself in the future, and actually finding ways to make it happen. Um, the first step for me is stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm an adult critical care nurse by background, and it's about trying to take the risk and challenging myself really that actually got me out of that and into informatics and my passion into about my passion about um, driving change and standardizing certain documents and the care that we provide for the patient. So that's the first step for me. Another thing that I'd like to say is take any opportunity available. Actually, better yet, create opportunities for yourself by growing your network. There are a lot of networks available out there, Shuri Network, the Digital Health Forum, um, Shared Decision Making Councils. Just, just be involved, really. Find and build a community of support. Having the the mentor, like a mentor like Luis, and a sponsor to to actually support you on your development plan is is really good. It's surround yourself with people that will champion you and celebrate your work and your success is also important. Um, and and for me, it's having a desire to continuously grow and learn, as well as taking people along with me in my journey. There are various platforms that are heavy and rich with information and support on digital health skills and development, like the NHS Future Platform, the Digital Literacy Assessment from Health Education England. There's also this National Digital Skills Competency Framework and um, various webinars. Um, one thing is the What Good Looks Like Framework webinars that are currently happening. So I think the next one's in February the 1st. So it's Really, as a summary for me, it's finding the joys in everything that you do, reflect on your success and aspirations, where you'd like to be in the future. Louis mentioned about being involved. It's exploring every opportunities and the need and the want to do more. And that's it, really. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Fantastic advice there. Fantastic. Um, last couple of questions now. And um, Rob, what do you see as the kind of looking into the future? What are the opportunities for digital and clinical informatics learning and development? That's a really good question. I think there's a couple of options here. And I'll start off with the, f the first part. And the first part for me is actually how do we use health data that people collect individually? And I think we've done a lot of work over the last few years in healthcare about preventing duplication of appointments, trying to make sure if people are in hospital for multiple appointments that so we don't duplicate all the work that happens in that day. But how do we also use technology? So if someone's got on their phone their heart rate or an ECG because they've got an Apple Watch or similar device, I should say, you know, not, not Apple endorsed here. But, you know, if they've got those recordings, how do we then 
um, take those recordings from them and put them into our systems. So something about how can we work together as a system uh, across organisations, but also how can we work with our with our patients and service users to make sure that they feel that they're they're also collecting data and they can share that because that gives a much wider story than just the one time we see them. So that's that's partly. So how do we learn? How do we learn to create that data? And then the second part is how do we look at app creation? So we've talked a bit about apps out there and and that sort of health informatics that you can collect individually. But how are nurses, midwives, AHPs involved in that app creation? Because actually there are great teams who are working on this and are we linked up as a health uh, system with organisations like Google, Microsoft, Apple, or are we working in silos? Actually, are there ways that we can be learning and creating together which will enable us to, to actually develop a health system or health informatics system of the future that actually is all really joined up and that doesn't create apps for North East London, apps for North England, you know, that are all different, that don't talk to one another. How do we have one central resource that enables us to work together? And that's what I think we need to start looking at. And it's one of the things I say to our learners is actually think about innovation. And I know Louise mentioned that keyword earlier, but innovation is actually what we can do. And innovation could be something really simple. That's something that's pulling together data in an innovative way. It doesn't mean about just creating something. Is actually how do we then collect it? So I think it's about innovation and working together to create that seamless line for patients and service users to come into healthcare and bring that data with them. Absolutely, yeah. I think the beauty with kind of digital technology, particularly in healthcare, is I don't think there's ever an end point. There's always there's always room for developments and innovation. Um, so yeah, exciting to see what the future holds in terms of those opportunities. Finally, Louise. Uh, we've kind of spoken about how to develop kind of people in clinical informatics maybe early in their careers and having those career paths but do you have any top tips for how we develop those already in kind of CNIO or similar roles? Yeah definitely uh, thanks for that and uh, it's been really inspiring actually this afternoon listening to all the perspectives and a lot of the advice that Dang already gave um, around uh, career development and things that are great opportunities apply throughout because at the end of the day, we're human beings and um, wanting to try and learn. And we're usually very passionate about healthcare and the impact on patients and our communities and really want to get the best for them. And so if you're already in a CNIO role, I think um, at one time it might have been a bit of a lonely place. To be quite honest, we haven't got quite so many. There weren't quite so many courses or programmes. Now there's lots of us. That, that's so lovely. And um, if you think about Rewired that's coming up in March, we had um, a launch of the uh, Nurses uh, uh, Day and event uh, last year. And it was so fabulous. It was a packed room and uh, lots of people engaged in that. Uh, lots of people, including the Shuri Fellows, people from uh, Florence Nightingale uh, Fellowships and a whole range uh, of people. And so if you're a, a CNIO, uh, it will be great to see you uh, when we uh, come together at Rewired. And uh, you'll find that it's a really supportive network and framework of people. The other thing as a CNIO, I think actually is, is definitely um, putting yourself forward when we nominate um, opportunities for the advisory panel uh, nationally. That will be coming up uh, later on this year um, because uh, panel members don't stay there forever and there is a refresh. So have a look at that and I'm sure you'll find it a great opportunity to engage there. 
Um, but also work with your regional CNIO. So uh, there are regional teams and um, a lead there uh, connected uh, with Natasha uh, Helen Bolston at the moment, who's stepped into that. And again, really vibrant uh, community and we help each other a lot. We uh, share perspectives and it does help you get ideas about your own uh, development. But also talk through with your whoever you um, are line managed by. And of course, nationally, there is not one size fits all as to what the CNIO role might look like. And so you may report into different people and um, my role particularly reports into the um, chief nurse with um, a strong relationship to our CIO and CCIO and we work in partnership, which is fabulous. Uh, so you can uh, look at your personal development plans, get that in place um, and really think about what your colleagues can offer and what you can um, also offer to them. And also we operate through digital health. Uh, we're doing it this year, a mentorship scheme uh, where we mentor other CNIOs. And um, I learned so much from that in supporting other people. It's absolutely uh, fantastic. And uh, it's uh, interesting where we've got shared challenges, we solve them together. And um, it, uh, where we've got unique opportunities, we're really supportive of each other. Uh, so great entrepreneurship in and amongst that and, and met some really uh, fabulous people. So um, the other, final thing I would say is that really uh, the tips that you would apply to your colleagues, apply them to yourself. Make sure you've given yourself some time to develop. You focus also on the fellowships, the opportunities, and some colleagues, um, I'm sure they'll talk about it um, in another podcast, uh, recently went to Texas and learnt lots, and, and that was um, with Kime and the work over there. So who knows where your personal development plan might take you, but be inventive, be creative. Uh, think of the things that, as Dang says, give you real uh, joy uh, because uh, clinical informatics and a career as a CNIO certainly is a privilege, but it's also an absolute pleasure uh, because you get to work with nice people like Rob and Dang, fabulous um, people that are developing the forefront of healthcare entrepreneurship and innovation and the research and development opportunities are enormous and the opportunity to make a difference for individual patients right the way through to large-scale uh, communities is uh, fantastic and huge also so encouraging people to be bold as CNIOs to really start to push it forward not to sit back and think right we made it now no we've got more to do uh, so um, wishing everybody the very best of luck in their CNIO careers and for those that are aspiring to do so uh, to really really uh, push themselves uh, to come to the fore and uh, not to be shy uh, because often uh, they're the very skilled people that we need uh, for the next phase so uh, looking forward to developing and supporting others in the next steps. Thanks Louise, some even more brilliant top tips and advice there. We've had a lot of it in the last half an hour or so, it's been great. Um, and the time has absolutely flown, unless anyone else has anything else to add. We have come to the end of the episode, sadly, but thank you so much Louise, Dang and Rob for joining me on Digital Health Unplugged. Um, yeah, I thought it was a brilliant episode without being biased, considering I'm hosting and it's people call it my podcast, but it's not my podcast. It's about the guests that we have on. That's what makes the episode great. So thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. This will be available to listen back to one of your favourite podcast platforms and look out for 
many more episodes coming your way more we'll hear more from different cnio members and different members of our ccio and cio advisory panels as well lots of podcasts coming up in the coming weeks and months so lots to look forward to um yeah until next time take care Thank you for listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favourite podcast platform. And to find out about our latest news and events, head to our website, digitalhealth.net.